Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Collective is your host, J-Dub. Some people call me Wetzel. Some come with Josh, but just go J-Dub. Anyhow, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I got a couple podcasts in the can here. This was taped a couple days ago up in Seattle with a couple other members of the PAFL going through this year's rookie class. A lot of talk this year about the class. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as people give it credit for. It's just not as strong at the very top as people would like. So it's not as sexy. Um, and it's probably not as strong top to bottom as recent years. Last year in particular was really good, um, particularly at running back, quarterback, uh, potentially even receiver. I think this year's receiver and tight end classes are better, but again, those aren't as sexy. So, and you don't have your top top flight guys. But I'm excited to have a guest on um, Team Kitty, long, long, long time mate, good guy, really into the in the details here. Um, so really good good guest. I'm excited to see him this week, and we're all getting together. So, without further ado, this is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. 2019 fantasy football rookie projections. This is where I've uh, got my guest here. Uh, I was going to come through and kind of debate and talk some shit on uh, the rankings here. A um, little, little bit of a hiatus, but we're back and uh, hopefully get a little bit more regular content out here. Have a little fun. Um, so here's my guest. Welcome, uh, D. Weave. What's up? What's up? Fantasy football season is here. Could not be more pumped. So I think we did this exactly last year up here in Seattle where uh, you reside now. Sold out from your Northern California roots. Um, and now you're here for life. How's everything going? Good, good. Works a bitch, but you got to pay the bills, feed the daughter. Yeah, it's true. It's true. A lot of, lot of, lot of fun. Work is, uh, work is work. You know, that's why we do these things. Okay, so uh, here's the format. We we did uh, about 16 rankings. I put together rankings. We'll go through each one, um, and I really want you to kind of come through and and uh, debate. Uh, kind of that list. If there's people, if you agree, then we can agree. We'll move on. Um, but I want to just get your take. So, well, and this, by the way, just to uh, give a, a quick format, this is traditional, uh, just kind of rookies, how they're going to produce, uh, looking at kind of this year, but also uh, short term, kind of thinking from a dynasty perspective. We'll talk about super flex as well as how those slot in. So the initial projections really have quarterbacks kind of towards the end. There's a couple of quarterbacks this year, one in particular who could be fantasy relevant since he's effectively a quarterback, uh, a running back playing quarterback position. Um, and then a super flex, there might be one or two others in the dynasty format. There's more. Um, so let's kick it off. First player. You have any, any gripes with Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs. No, the, the one thing that I hear is you know, potentially is not going to be a three down back, even though there's some hype about that. If he's only a two down back and Jalen Richard comes in there and steals all the targets in a PPR league, not nearly as valuable. I've never been super high on Alabama running backs, but lately with uh, Mark Ingram starting to blow up a little bit, and um, sorry, Derrick Henry starting to blow up a little bit, and Mark Ingram having established a, a decent track record, uh, I'm not as low now on the Alabama 
um, RB scene. So Jacobs, he's fine. I'm okay with him at number one. He's clearly in position to get uh, immediate touches in, in, in being the undisputed starter. So it's just a matter, is this guy a two or three down back? As a Richard's, uh, a Richard uh, truther, I, I hope you're you're right on that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think uh, you draft that guy that high, he's going to be set into for opportunities. So we'll see. Um, number two, I got David Montgomery. I'm high on David Montgomery. Uh, they shipped Jordan Howard out of town. Uh, Jordan Howard was, you know, not quite a stud, but something close to a stud. And uh, he certainly produced numbers last year. Obviously, he can't catch the ball, which is a big part of Najee's system. But, um, you know, I, I think that Montgomery in the number two slot for rookie running backs is completely fair. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Montgomery. I've seen a little bit of tape, read about him. But I, it was clear that Howard was not a good fit in that system, and they effectively gave him away. So, uh, And I don't see anyone else who's there to take big volume. I love Tariq Cohen, but he's definitely a gadget, kind of like move-around guy, slot slash change of pace. So seems like he's got Montgomery set up. Mike Davis is an interesting play there, um, and I think how that shakes out in camp will be key. But it seems like Montgomery is probably um, – going to be a pretty high high volume guy and one thing to add about mike davis is that uh you know having watched him quite a bit here as a not quite a seahawk fan but someone who follows the seahawks a little bit uh, mike davis is probably more of a third down back and so i think you're looking at him cutting into Tariq cohen's production not necessarily montgomery's that tells me that davis is going to be a, a special teamer then because um, <laughs> cohen's special in my opinion especially in space and that change of pace back but it sounds like they've got some depth there which is great Third guy, I think, is where we start getting a little bit interesting. Um, I think that most pundits would have this guy here. Uh, his name's Miles Sanders, Penn State, uh, and Philly Philly drafted. What do you think about him at three? Um, I, I do think there's a recency bias with uh, Saquon coming out of Penn State last year. Miles Sanders coming in the following year at Penn State and putting up close to the same numbers. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the knock on him that, that I, I've been reading is that he is uh, fumble-prone and – the guy that he's in main competition with, Jordan Howard, never fumbles the ball. So um, talent-wise, if Sanders can prove that he can hold onto the ball and also pass block, then I think that we're looking at a um, probably, what, six to eight weeks in, this guy's got the starting job. If he can't pass block and if he loses touches, or sorry, if he loses the ball in early touches, uh, I think you're looking at Jordan Howard as the starter for the entire year. Uh, no question, though, that Miles Sanders is the guy they're moving forward. Sanders, former five-star recruit. I think some scouting services had him as the number one overall ranked uh, recruit uh, coming out of high school, so even higher rated than Barkley. I loved him. I actually had him on my college fantasy team. Um, I think he, he was actually one of the most well-rounded and athletically superior kind of backs in this class, but this is obviously a little bit lower-level class. Barkley is kind of a, a beast, kind of once every three, four, five-year kind of prospect. So... Uh, but the fumble thing will kill you, right? You fumble in this league and you just don't play. And I do think the Eagles historically, actually, probably going back to maybe Brian Westbrook, have been a committee back team. Um, I guess LaShawn McCoy had a few years there where he was he was kind of the, the go-to. But uh, since Reed's left, it's definitely been committee-oriented. So I don't know what the, the ceiling is on Sanders, but it seems like it's not as high as it could be for a Jacobs or even a Montgomery, where those guys have, have shown to uh, go more exclusively with their players. So that's where I think Sanders is definitely a step below those those guys, without a doubt. Um, I really see this, by the way, as a three-rookie class uh, in most standard, particularly super flex leagues, where you've got Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs, 
and uh, Dwayne Haskins. Um, but yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, number four, uh, St. Louis, or sorry, St. Louis Rams. The LA Rams selected Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, first of all, the, the word that rings out the most is Memphis. Who's this guy been playing against? Um, obviously, his stats are off the charts. But 8.7 yards per carry, that's ridiculous. Um, it's bright, Bryce Love action. Yeah, I, yeah. at least he was playing in the Pac-12 where there's some defensive players. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I think that this guy right now is overhyped. He's being overdrafted. And uh, I don't doubt that he could very easily step in and play a huge role and be fantasy relevant right away, especially with all the question marks surrounding Todd Gurley in his uh, arthritic knees. Uh, but at the same time, look, you got Malcolm Brown in there as well, who showed out when he was given the opportunity. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that maybe we are looking at a Tariq Cohen-style guy, at least early on. Um, you know, obviously, I want him on my team, but I'm not going to go too high for him. Do you think this is an appropriate spot? I mean, given some of the other guys behind uh, this, would you would you go someone I, else ahead of him? I, I absolutely think that he works at the number four spot for rookie running okay. backs. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – again, this guy seems like the perfect fit situation here um, for other teams, maybe not. I, Malcolm Brown I've always liked. He was a top uh, high school recruit as well, played pretty well at a big school in Texas. But I think he was drafted by the previous regime. And I just feel like this guy is the, you know, this is the the jet sweep fly guy backup. And if, if the girly news is, is if there's any smoke or sorry, there's any fire where there's smoke, it seems like this guy could actually walk into like a 200 touch situation with like 40, 50 catches and 150 carries, you know, in a share situation with girly because they're trying to keep his knee um, from completely atrophying. Uh, then, then this probably is too low for him. Quite frankly, but uh, agree. I think we're looking at probably Chris Johnson's ceiling. Yeah, good point. Good point. And I haven't seen enough of this guy to have like a strong opinion. I I, I put him here because I feel like, given the the situation and all the uh, the noise around Gurley, it feels like uh, his floor may be higher than we realize. Um, so okay, next guy. I don't love this guy, but I think when you slide it in and situation and draft position, again, uh, we I'm over indexing here on the backs because it's just hard to find them. But it, it's Devin uh, Singletary from the Buffalo Bills. What do you think about this one? So I, I disagree with this one um, in, in terms of the 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 place number five. Um, everything I've read about him is that he was overdrafted, that he's not very fast. He's also small. And, you know, he's also going against a guy, LaShawn McCoy, who has had some bad years, clearly on the downside of his career. But I'm not ready to say that a person significantly smaller and slower than LaShawn McCoy is ready to take in and steal significant touches from him. At the same time, you also have Frank Gore there, who you look at his stats last year in a horrible freaking Miami squad, and he still is averaging four and a half yards a carry. Uh, you know, until Gore sucks – He's going to come in there and steal touches. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you got TJ Yeldon, who actually had a decent year in Jacksonville. They just had a crappy offensive line, and he wasn't able to really perform when given the chance to be the bell cow. So this place is too crowded for me. Devin Singletary has uh, <clears throat> too much limited upside from what I'm reading to really care about him. I'd put him lower. Who's, who would be your fifth player then? I would probably put uh, Justice Hill or Damian Harris above him. Okay, interesting. Okay, we're jumping around then. Okay, so my sixth guy is wide receiver out of Oklahoma, uh, Baltimore Raven, Marquise Brown. 
Now, I don't love this. And quite frankly, I think, uh, just going back, I think this is a three-player draft in a Superflex League. I think it's kind of a two-player-ish in a traditional league. And then you got two or three guys in Sanders and Henderson that are, like, you know, good. And then I feel like there's another drop-down where you get any of these guys, like a Singletary, like a Marquise Brown, like a Nikhil Harry, uh, Harry or Damien Harris, where they're, they have a chance. But so my next guy is Marquise Brown. You, you think this is too high for him based on what you just said? Um, I think that it's too high for him overall, yeah. Um, but this guy is a game changer if healthy. Um, and if Lamar Jackson ever figures out how to throw deep, which if you actually look at his overall stats, he's not as bad as what he may look like when he has his errant throws. The guy can connect deep, and you know Marquise Brown is a burner, and he's also a pretty refined route runner. So yeah. um, this is a sky's the limit type person. If somehow... They develop a passing game in Baltimore. This guy is a, I mean, I'm not going to say a Randy Moss type, but he is a guy who's going to put up significant numbers right away. Well, he's small, which is a key thing. Yeah, so when you, when so you use Randy, Randy Moss, Moss. Randy Moss production, rookie yeah. year is yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think uh, what I like about him in this situation, I don't love the landing, I hate the landing spot to be fair, but I what I think they're going to do is do a lot of bubble screen, a lot of quick ins, outs with this guy to get the defense from loading up 9, 10 in the box. And if he can get 130, 140 uh, targets, he's going to complete a, a higher percentage of those because it's going to be short area throws. I think they're going to abandon the deep throw. They'll, they'll do it once in a while, um, but he just – he doesn't have the patience, the pocket presence to do it. They're doing a lot of like uh, rollouts and things. So anyhow, that's my case for him. I don't love him. Uh, and again, I feel like the, this rookie class kind of drops significantly around this area. And you're really starting to get into guys. It's like preference of, of what you like kind of dynasty-wise going forward. Mm -hmm. These guys are stabs in the dark as far as I'm concerned in terms of being fantasy relevant this year. But you, I'm trying to project a year out. Okay, next guy, Nikhil Harry. Uh, Kind of really love the landing spot here. Uh, it, those who don't know, New England hasn't selected a, 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 a running a wide receiver in the first round in all of Bill Belichick's tenure. The last player they selected in the first round from the wide receiver position was Terry Glenn in 1996, I believe, and he was a top 10 pick uh, out of Ohio State. Uh, Harry is a beast, um, and he really fits this mold that they're missing, quite frankly, of a big, strong target for to win in kind of red zone or in short area places now that Gronk's gone. I don't see him as like a top – probably he's a third or fourth option, but I think he could put up some pretty decent stats because he's the only guy that kind of plays that tight end slash wide receiver position where he's you know, 6'2", 225. Um, but do you think this is too early for him? I think it's too early for him. In in our actual rookie draft that goes 16 deep, um, I don't even have him being someone that someone puts a topper on. Interesting. Um, primarily because I think that he's a little bit slow. I don't know that his route running is all that refined. And uh, he has had in the past some case of the drops, which will get you in Bill, Belichick's doghouse very quickly, as well as Tom Brady's. Um, there's also Josh Gordon potentially, you know, he's Josh Gordon, the perennial sleeper, but Josh Gordon may be back there to start the season. Um, so I just, I just don't love this guy. I think that he's too unproven. I really haven't seen anybody from Arizona State uh, come up big as an offensive player. I mean, the last guy that I remember seeing this hype coming out of Arizona State was Jalen Strong, and I think he's probably playing the CFL at this point in time. Yeah. With that. 
So. I, I like Harry. I saw more from him, but I, I hear you. Okay, let's keep going since you, you definitely are against that one. So I think that my eighth guy is the guy you mentioned up at the fifth spot, which is uh, Damian Harris, third round pick by New England again. Um, I like this guy. What 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 sort of like jumps out you? Why do you want him at the fifth spot? Well, I had I, there's a little bit of bias here. I had him for two years running on my um, college fantasy squad, and whenever he was given touches, and he he was basically given ten to fifteen touches every game. Every game he had over 100 yards rushing and about 30 to 40 yards receiving, and he scored. Granted, that's at Alabama, where they put up a lot of points, but this guy was clearly the best running back on that team, and that running that team was stacked with good running backs. Yeah. And so I, I think that he has um, a great chance to succeed at this level. The only thing that concerns me is where he landed, which is you know where running backs go to die. Where um, not necessarily where running backs go to die, but where you can never predict. Who's going to perform on what day? Uh, you got Sonny Michelle there, who, you know, if if give if he stays healthy, there's no reason why he doesn't get the ball every single time. Um, you've got James White, who is a PPR stud. Um, just how, how many touches are available for Damian Harris right away? I, I think the challenge with Harris, quite, and I I say in my write up, I, you know, it's like he can end up with ten plus touchdowns, two hundred plus carries, and be an RB two this year. And I would be shocked if he doesn't have a couple games of that pace, quite frankly, because that's how Belichick rolls. Yeah. Um, or he could be inactive for the majority of the year. Yeah. Right. I think we know White is White, and he's his role is pretty secure given the contract and given what he's done, particularly in the in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, so that role's done. Now the question is just Michelle, his knee, and Harris. Michelle fumbles. You just never know. I think the challenge, though, that you brought up is Harris is going to eat at Michelle. And yes. Michelle's going to eat at Harris. Like they're they both are eating the same plate, you know. And White's doing his thing. Rex Burkhead's probably the backup there. Actually, if mm-hmm. White gets hurt, Burkhead's the guy that rolls in on third down. Um, so that's where I have him eight. Is that I feel like his ceiling is not as high as some of the guys I, I mentioned earlier, and I feel like his floor is pretty low. Um, but I do like him. Um, so okay. Uh, next guy I got going here is wide receiver DK Metcalf. Um, again, I, this guy's a little funky to me. Uh, I mean, if you've seen the pictures, he's absolute stud. Um, and the guy, what he run like a 3.2 40 or something crazy. Um, and I think he went to a perfect situation, right? Up here in Seattle, you guys are going to go, uh, get enamored and, and check out his physique at the training camp and get all excited. Um, but in all seriousness, He's in a great situation to get a ton of targets. He's a massive guy. They've not really had someone like him. I mean, maybe Jimmy Graham at tight end um, in the in the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. I feel like this is a little high, but there wasn't a lot of other options. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I know about this guy, aside from the pictures, um, is that he is a burner, but he struggled with his lateral movement. I, I don't know how much that really matters. That's something that you probably can uh, you can work on but at the same time the guy that I remember from Ole Miss is AJ Brown so um, if I were going to put somebody from Ole Miss in this um, rankings I would have taken AJ Brown over DK Metcalf interesting okay I like situation here I'm, I'm overplaying that they've lost a ton in targets and I, I believe in the I believe in quarterbacks right Russell Wilson knows how to get the ball to people say what you want about his uh, personal preferences or religious whatever it, it may be 
the guy who knows how to play football and get the ball out. So, okay, next guy I got on here is, again, if we're in a super flex format, this guy is kind of the number two, one, two, at worst third pick. But I got him 10 here. It's quarterback Kyler Murray. Um, I mean, look, you, you, you kind of know the history here. He may bomb and be a complete bust, but the likelihood that he's not a, a, a QB1 for at least a half dozen weeks this year is pretty low because he's going to be a RB2 uh, and with, who throws. Do you think this is too early for him? Uh, what do you I, think? I have no disagreement with what uh, Josh just said. Kyler Murray would be my number one in the Superflex for all the reasons that were just stated. This is a Vince Young, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton type guy. And if he flames out, he flames out. But there's no doubt he's putting up stats right away. Yeah. Um, I don't like the situation there, by the way. You got a like, ton of like young talent, some veteran talent, but line's terrible. He's got a coach that never won even won at like tier two Division one schools. Um, so I, I learned, worry a little bit. But, I yeah, do. but his coach is really good looking. Is he good looking? Okay, good. I like it. Um, but Kyler Murray, I think he – when I watch – I watched him play and I started looking at him. He's actually got great drop back, like traditional quarterback skills. And he has a chance to be special kind of in that Russell Wilson kind of vein, but like maybe more super athlete, maybe not quite as great a passer, at least early in his career. So, okay. Next guy I got in here, I think is a little bit of a surprise and given what you said earlier, probably not who you would have here, but I've got Minnesota uh, running back uh, third round pick. I believe it's third round uh, out of Boise state, Alexander Mattis. Guy's a little bit of a, a one-dimensional type player. Um, some people have compared him even to like a poor man's MJD, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. Um, just a, a really bowling ball guy, small, stout, really hard, uh, a banger. But what I like about him here is I think he's going to get the touches at the goal line and change of pace with Dalvin Cook. And if you get a Cook injury, this guy becomes quickly like an RB2 uh, player in that offense where they just want to run the hell out of the ball. Um, which is another uh, tidbit I would tell you is I think Minnesota's uh, passing statistics are going to drop 15, 20%. Um, if you look at their offensive coordinator change and what happened the last four and four or five weeks of the season, they turn into a full on running team, old school pound and ground kind of thing. Um, and so that's why I like this guy is I think Minnesota is going to take a big step up in terms of total carries. Um, that's why I'm down on the Adam Thielens and Stefan Diggs and Kirk Cousins of the world too. So what do you think? Uh, my arch rival is a Dalvin Cook owner. I want Alexander Madison. Uh, not just that. He's a Kirk Cousins owner and a yeah, Stefan Diggs, Diggs owner, owner, too. It's kind of crazy. A little yeah. bit over, over-indexed in Minnesota. Okay, um, next guy I heard you say earlier, Justice Hill. I don't like the situation. Too many guys there. Uh, but he's super talented, and I think you can't let him drop too f- much further down here. What do you think? Uh, just uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm big on the spark, and I also think that the guys ahead of him are Mark Ingram's coming to the end of his career. Uh, We've got Gus Edwards, who certainly showed out when he had the opportunity, but they drafted drafted a guy early, and they brought in Mark Ingram to replace him, so they can't be too high on him. I'm not too worried about him. Kenneth Dixon has always been talented, but he's always been hit by injury. Um, I think that Justice Hill's got a, a pathway to the top. And so I, I, would, I would take a risk on him. He's obviously a risk. He's not in a um, guaranteed situation where he's going to get a ton of touches. But if he does get those touches, this guy is going to put up some huge numbers. Yep. Okay. Uh, now switching gears, uh, number 13 on my list is a wide receiver out of Indianapolis, uh, former Ohio State uh, Buckeye, Paris Campbell. 
there's some red flags. Mediocre college production until his senior year. The fact he actually stayed in school through his senior year. Those are both uh, usually typically indicators of, of lack of success. But there's plenty of positive signs, too. He lands in an ideal situation with, with one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, they, they have a ton of open uh, targets. They have a good offensive system for him. Um, and I think if you taking the sort of Alabama running back thing, Ohio State at wide receiver really for the last 20 plus years just pumps out guys. So there's a ton of talent. So the fact that he stuck around to a senior year, didn't play a lot, doesn't doesn't worry me too much given how many of these Ohio State guys end up in the NFL. Um, but I think you think it's too high. Well, you know, Andrew Luck is you know, the best or the second best fantasy quarterback in the NFL. Um there are, I mean, this guy can walk into a number two slot. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to downplay his value because I secretly want him. And uh, so <laughs> nice. I, I don't disagree with his ranking right here. Okay, so the next guy I got uh, is Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, uh, early second round pick for the 49ers. I think the challenge here with him, when I look at him, I like him, and maybe he's three or four slots higher in a typical situation. Um, and I and and the caveat here is I'm a 49er fan, but I just I, I'm sort of worried that we keep overvaluing the 49ers under Kyle Sam, uh, Shanahan and Jimmy G. Until I see them actually do this something, I, I kind of I don't want to start elevating these guys as potential stars. He's also got an early second round pick ahead of him from last year who played pretty well in Dante Pettis, and then they've the t- top two target guys are going to be George Kittle and and one of these other uh, running backs. So I just I like him, but he's been injured. He actually has some of the same issues as Campbell. He I think he stayed through his senior year. He's had injury concerns. His production hasn't been an issue. He's he's produced when he's been healthy. But um, I like him. I just worry that he may never be more than a six or seven hundred yard receiver guy at best, even if the 49ers are what we think they are. As a junior at South Carolina, for the first four games of the season, he was an absolute beast. Then he snapped his leg in half. Um, came back and uh, put up respectable numbers last year after, what, six months out of surgery. So there's no doubt that this guy's an athletic freak, but I agree with everything that Josh just said in terms of the value that we, we, we tend to place a premium on Niner talent as Niner fans here. And they've already got Dante Pettis there. Still have Marquise Goodwin, who when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, had a great rapport with. Uh, that guy hasn't gone anywhere. And then you have probably the second best or third best tight end Who's going to be stealing targets? I, you know, this is a this is a show me before I really believe type situation for Debo Samuel. Yeah, and, and I just want to say word out the place where a lot of these guys are probably may not be on your list, and that's fine. And if you're in a super flex league, clearly the last couple guys are probably not uh, going to be on this list because they're going to get usurped by some of these quarterbacks. So, okay, number fifteen on my list is going back to the quarterback position. He's here even in a traditional league because I think he's going to be a starting quarterback. Um, and I think he can have some good weeks in a kind of passer-friendly system in Washington, and that's Dwayne Haskins. Um, again, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a closet Ohio State Buckeye fan, so I saw a bunch of their games. Guy put up, you know, video game numbers, like Kyle, Kyle, Kyler Murray-type numbers, and now he's a traditional quarterback, st- statuesque. He's not going to be fast. He's not going to be whiz with the ball. He just gets the ball out. He can throw it from every angle, every place. He's, he's raw. Uh, but I, I like his landing spot ultimately. I think uh, long term, I'd like to see him sit a little bit so he doesn't have the pressure of like immediately being the starter. But I think for fantasy leagues, he's going to have some QB one weeks, and he, I think he's a solid QB two. And dynasty, he's got that potential. You 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 agree? Yeah, Would you absolutely. push him further down? In a super in a super flex league, this guy is number two. 
um, overall for rookies. And uh, <clears throat> Superflex Dynasty, number two overall for rookies. Yep. If you ask me, I, I agree with everything that Josh said. Okay, so my last guy is the tight end, TJ Hawkinson, Detroit Lions, I think eighth overall pick. Uh, real quick on this one, arguably the best blocking tight end prospect in the last decade at the tight end position. He's going to play a ton in a run-heavy system. They're moving massively to a mall, you into the ground kind of a approach on offense. But what I like about him is he's is a pretty sleek, good pass catcher. And in that system, he's going to be on the field for every single play. I don't think he's going to be a stud, but for a tight end, he's going to put up like a 50, 500, kind of five TD season and, and potentially grow into like a 75, 757 guy. I think of him as kind of a more modern day Jason Witten. Uh, so I like this guy a lot. I think, again, if you're super flex, he's probably not falling in the top 16. But given this year's rookies, it's a pretty safe bet. Everything I've read about this guy is that he's one of the best tight end prospects in the history of the league. Um, I don't know anything about him. When I actually watched Iowa games, I knew more about Noah Fant um, than I did about this guy. And so, you know, I don't have any eye tests to tell me anything different, but I do read nothing but rave reviews about Hawkinson. Yep. Okay, great. So lastly, before we finish this up, Superflex uh, leagues, uh, I think we probably agree Murray's one or two, maybe one. Do you think he's one? I think Murray's one. I think Haskins is two. Okay. That, okay, good. I had Haskins four, but I think in, in, like in our league that we're in, uh, I think it is probably Murray one, Haskins two. I've got Haskins four. Where do you have Locke and, and Daniel Jones? Where I, do they slot him? I, I'm excited to laugh at whoever drafts Daniel Jones. Um, somebody's going to take him, but I, I don't have him slotted in anywhere. Probably maybe 25 overall. Um, so I'm the contrarian on Jones. I, I don't, I'm not here. I'm not going to tell you that I think he's going to be a star, mm-hmm. but in fantasy, we're here about production. This guy's going to get 16 to 25 to 30 starts. And if you're in a super flex league, that's like a valuable thing. And by the way, do we really know he's going to be that big of a bust? It's almost like he's so underrated now because everyone just thinks he's garbage and sucked in college. But keep in mind, he played in a marginal Division One school, right? It was like he's no one around him that's going to the NFL. He has no one even making the CFL around him. And his numbers aren't great. But when I watch him, it's not like he's incompetent. Um, whereas I look at Locke, and he played in a little bit more of a kind of open system, and he put up some good numbers. Um, or other guys like Jake Locker, for example. I mean, these guys were like top 10 picks. So I don't know. I'm not as down on Jones as, as some people. I don't think he's going to be a star, and he's likely got bust for where he got drafted. But his draft position is really important in this. Six overall means the Giants Giants are going to give him every chance to play. Um, so I, I, I with you. I think, uh, you know, I'm not I, – I think it was Mina Kimes on uh, ESPN where she almost like blew her wad on when they drafted him on the draft coverage. I think that pretty much summarizes what it seems like 99% of the people feel. But at this point now, it almost makes him underrated. So, With, with regard to Drew Locke, um, he certainly put up good stats. But one thing that I noticed, and I paid a lot of attention to him because I, I do get into college fantasy, anytime he ever played against big-time competition, he failed. Um, this has the feel to me of another Paxton Lynch. Yeah, and uh, I was—I knew when Elway drafted Paxton Lynch right away. I said this guy is a bust, um, and I, I feel the same way about Drew Locke. What the fuck's up with Elway, by the way? The guy loves these like tall, white, immobile, mediocre quarterbacks. I mean, he went Paxton Lynch. Keep in mind, he drafted a guy named Brock Osweiler. He was like the six seven, two forty, like couldn't move, had no accuracy. 
he goes out and pays a premium for a guy that everyone knows they're going to cut and Joe Flacco. I mean, the guy just loves these guys. And by the way, they're not who he was. He was the run around, throw the ball, you know, like live on, live by the seat of your pants. Um, I agree with Locke, by the way, I, I, I could see him developing and I like him better than certainly better than I like Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler for that matter, who were both like marginal college players at like, you know, tier two schools. Um, but I, I worry about it for him. So, okay. Hey, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll do this more often than once a year for fantasy rookies. Um, but good times. Thanks for having me. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. I said uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Dance, jump on it. If you sit, sit and flown it. If you freak, get and own it. Don't brag about it, come show me. Go dance, jump on it.